is a blue. You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. Welcome to our In Conversation program. In this town, you're out of luck. Every week we talk to a sporting personality to find out just what makes them tick. And you're not moving anywhere. From their early childhood, to their professional career, to their musical tastes. Take you out of this place, someone you can We cover it all. So sit back and enjoy as we talk to this week's special guest. Here on Three Valleys Radio. Good evening and welcome to In Conversation. And tonight's guest from across the Irish Sea is Mr. Noel Feely. Well, good evening, Noel. It's good to have you on the show. Um, just on your way back from Fosslas. Yeah, yeah, um, we had a runner down there which finished second. So that was, um, yeah, very happy with that. Tell me something, first question for you. What is it about the Irish and national hunt racing in terms of the jockeys? I mean, you know, it's, it's there's so many top jockeys that have come from Ireland um, and, you know, national hunt racing, not so much on the flat, although there's a few on the flat as well, but, you know, national hunt seems to be your domain completely. Why is it, do you think? Um, I suppose lots. I suppose a lot of people in Ireland have a pony in the backfield or somewhere around the place. You get going on your ponies, and and national hunt racing, point to pointing, all that sort of thing is very big in in certain areas of Ireland. And um, I was lucky enough to get going on a few ponies, and then um, going to the point of points with a, with a neighbour of ours, Ned Barrett. Um, and just got completely hooked on it and um, watching watching the pint of pints on a Sunday that's all I wanted to do was was um, be a national hunt jockey from there on mm. well let, let's just go back you were born in 1975 um, how soon yeah. did you actually get on a horse I think my dad took me to the local riding school when I was about five I'd say five or six yeah. um and went with my sister the first first time and um i was just bitten by the bug straight away pretty much i used to go to the to the riding school every now and again and then in the summertime i used to cycle to school or cycle to the local riding school um you know whenever i could get a chance to go there and uh, it was about four or five miles away but i'd cycle there and i would I'd ride some of the naughty ponies just to get a, a free lesson. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's that was basically it. I was I was hooked on it from there, you know. Where were you born in Ireland then? Uh, no, I was West Cork, the man where West Cork. Oh, Roy Keane country. Right, right down the south. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keane's from down there, isn't he? I think. Fellow, fellow count. Well, he's the city side, but I'm further south. But uh, yeah, he's a fellow count, fellow Cork County man. Yeah, he's a good man. 
bit, uh, a bit uh, aggressive, perhaps, but a good man, I think. But uh, that'll tell you my man, football yeah. colours, won't it? One of, but... one, of my, one of my heroes in life, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, was it a built-up area or was it a more villagey type of area? No, we were out in the country. Um, uh, yeah, very country where I where I'm from. So um, you'd well, neighbours would be a sort of um, a bit away, but um, yeah, lovely part of the country. And um, we'd ponies around sort of later on. We had our own ponies, and it was a great childhood, really. Yeah. So obviously, you know, riding to school was was very much the norm rather than. Uh, you know, the uh, unusual. Yeah, well, we used to get the bus to school, but then on the, I used to ride my bike to the local riding school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, four or five miles. If I ask my children who are seven and ten now to ride a bike seven, four or five miles away, <laughs> well, number one, I wouldn't let them do it, and number two, they wouldn't do it. So <laughs> it's just different. It's yeah. very different, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Times have changed, haven't they, really? So you started off on these ponies then, and, and obviously you were going to this school and um, getting pony, you know, riding lessons at the school. How how soon before you moved on to Point to Points? Well, I actually rode... We got we got our first pony when I was probably about seven then, and I rode I rode that pony in a pony race when I was seven. That was my first pony race when I was seven years of age, and um, uh, went from there. Then we got a few better ponies, and I was I was actually champion champion pony race rider in nineteen eighty eight and eighty nine. Um, and then from there, it was just, uh, you know, I, there was never anything else I ever wanted to do. I was going to be a jockey, and but in my own head, anyway, that's what I was. I was going to be a jockey, and that was it. There was um, never going to be anything else. But um, my parents made me finish school. So I was 18 when I left school, but you know, they made me get my education first. Yeah. Um, but I was I was riding pint of pints at the weekend. Um, so. Um, you know, that's all, that's all I wanted to do. Going back to the to, to the um, you know the seven, eight, nine, ten year old uh, bracket of your life. Um, what was the first winner on a pony like? I mean, you know, how did you feel? Can you remember it? To be honest, I can't remember what was the actual first pony race winner. Um, I can't remember what it was, but I probably was only you know I probably wouldn't have been very old, but. Um, I can remember my first pint of pint winner. I can remember my first winners on the track, but I can't actually remember what my first pony race winner was. And I presume the ponies were were on the flat, not jumping. Yeah, on the flat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the pony races <coughs> in Ireland were on the flat. Pony racing in Ireland was very big. You know, when I was doing it, um, you know, you'd like to Norman Williamson was. They were they were older than me. Um, Norman Williamson, Richard Hughes. You know, they would all have been doing a Shane Broderick. Um, there were some very, very good, you know, riders riding pony racing, you know, older than me at the time. And, yeah. um, you know, it was, yeah, you soon, you, you, you sharpened up your riding a fair bit against them anyway. <laughs> Did you have any early spills in terms of falling off or anything or not? Uh, yeah, plenty, uh, plenty of falls. Um, I remember falling off the pony one day. Uh, pony slipped up on the bend and um, 
I walk up with a crowd around me anyway, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was knocked, not complete, knocked out. I was completely knocked out. That was probably only at the age of, I was probably only 10 or 11 at the time, but I remember, I, I can remember to this day waking up and there was a crowd around me anyway. Did the fact that you were, you, you know, uh, riding ponies in races which presumably the public would come and watch did it sort of create you as a bit of a hero amongst your school friends or anything not really because um i suppose the area i came from it was more you know ga football hurdling um that's what all the young lads were into so racing wasn't really where I came from, a lot of people, a lot of the young lads going to school with me wouldn't have known anything about horse racing or pony racing. Ah, right. So it was a bit alien to them, probably a little bit. But um, you know, they were more, probably more into the GAA and the hurling and all the football and hurling. Hmm. Well, just for the uninitiated, what is GAA? Uh, Gaelic football, Gaelic ah. football and hurling. Ah, right. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a big, it's, it's a. Uh, it's a big sport in Ireland, and um, it's the main sport, I suppose, in Ireland, football and hurling. Yeah. I think that's what Kevin Moran used to do before he went to Man United, if yes. I'm right. Yes, exactly, it was, yeah. It was, ah, yeah. Right. He played that's for a... Dublin. Yeah, I just didn't recognise... If you'd if you have said Gaelic football, I wouldn't have asked the question, but I didn't I didn't recognise yeah. the GAA bit, you know. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. so Oh, time for a music break there, and oh, no, here's the first of Noel's choice of music, and it's George Ezra and Shotgun. Homegrown alligator, see you later. Gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. The sun and change in the atmosphere, architecture unfamiliar. I could get used to this Time flies by in the yellow and green Stick around and you'll see what I mean There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of If you need me, you know where I'll be I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun Feeling like someone I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like it's someone. South of the equator, navigator, gotta hit the road, gotta hit the road. Deep sea diving round the clock, bikini bottoms, lager tops. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow and green stick. And you'll see what I mean There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of If you need me, you know where I'll be I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun Feeling like someone I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun Feeling like someone See what I mean 
There's a mountain top that I'm dreaming of if you need me. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the hot sun, feeling like a someone, a someone, a someone, a George Ezra there and Shotgun. So, right, okay. <laughs> so, um, so moving on, then you know you started uh, started racing, uh, doing point to points. At what age did you get into point to points? Um, well, I think you have you have to be sixteen to get an amateur license. Um, and I'd say I'd say I probably got an amateur license probably as soon as I turned sixteen, um, or certainly soon after anyway i'd imagine i don't i don't exactly know um but i would have been 16 17 like something like that when i got my amateur license um <coughs> and rode point of points you know straight away from there and um i think i rode a winner probably in my fifth or sixth ride uh in point of points i think i rode a winner from my from my neighbor ned barrett he was a he was a good man he helped me out along the way and um uh, yeah, I think that was that was my first ride. And I probably was only maybe sixteen or seventeen at that time. Yeah. What did that feel like? Can you remember the the buzz? Oh yeah, that was that was amazing because there was some you know some good amateurs riding at that time, um, and um, yeah, to win to win that was yeah amazing. Well, if you get, I don't know if you get the crowds over there, but I mean the crowds that we get down in the West Country here for point to points is usually quite a lot of people come to watch it. Yeah, I know you, the Pine of Pines in Ireland are a big thing, um, probably a bigger, Pine of Pines in Ireland are probably bigger than the English Pine of Pines in that it's a bit of a business in Ireland, you know, you'd have, people would run their best four-year-olds and best five-year-olds mm. in Pine of Pines, and then they, a lot of them are sold on to the UK or, you know, a lot of them are staying in Ireland now, I suppose, but that's kind of the, the shop window in Ireland for a lot of young horses and a lot of money changes hands for them. So it's a big, it's a big business in Ireland. Yeah. Well, it certainly seems, you know, you, you see people, names like uh, Paul Nichols is always buying, you know, sensible horses yeah. from Ireland and, and, they, and then putting his touch to them and they suddenly become real world beaters. So I, I don't doubt that yes, for one minute. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so moving on then, you, in in two thousand and one, you became the conditional jockeys jump jockeys champion. Um, now yes. that must have been, you know, again a, a major sort of point in your in your career. Yeah, it was because I came to the UK. Obviously, I went to Charlie Mann, and Charlie Mann was probably just getting his numbers going a little bit, and um, you know, wouldn't have been considered a big enough yard for a jockey you know a young conditional to be attached or to be to have the firepower behind him to be champion conditional um yeah. so you know i wouldn't have fancied my chances of being champion conditional at the start of the season because you know uh, philip hobbs was always very good at producing good conditionals 
Um, and they'll obviously have plenty of support. He'd have a lot of horses to support them with. Um, the Paul Nicholses, the Nicky Hendersons. Um, they'd have a lot of horses to support their conditionals. Whereas I was uh, with a smaller stable. Charlie was getting bigger at the time. Um, but when I, when I started with him, he probably had about 30 horses in comparison to... You know, the Paul Nicholas would have had a hundred plus. Yeah. The Nicky Hendersons would have a hundred plus. The Philip Hobbses, and normally their conditions would have been champion conditions. Um, so to do it from a f- small stable was a um, was a you know, great achievement. Yeah. I've just finished reading um, uh, Graham Bradley's uh, autobiography, and you know, you, you really get to to sort of into what it was what it must have been like for you guys especially you know when you first started and you know you you go into the stable and you're you're the sort of uh, the stooge as it were and you get lumbered with all the lousy jobs and what have you did you find that as well when you started yeah you do but then i was so hungry i wanted it so badly i didn't care what anyone asked me to do i would do it and i was i used to love the mornings um because I, I was based in Lambourne with Charlie Mann, right? And I'd love, I used to love the Mars riding out, and you'd see the likes of Graham Bradley riding out, who was, you know, he was a hero of mine, like brilliant jockey to watch in the mm. morning schooling, or um, Mick Fitzgerald, Richard Dunwoody came in a few times. You know, see, see them great jockeys in the morning. Like I was just obsessed by it, and I, you know, I was. It wasn't, wasn't really work to me. It was. Yeah. It was just, it was like, I don't know, like, like a young lad going to watch Cristiano Ronaldo or something like that. I was just, I was just in awe of the whole thing. And it was, it wasn't really work to me. It was, sort of, I was sort of a bit of a, a bit obsessed by it all, I suppose. That's where you and I would, would, would differ really, because I can't see anything good about getting up at five o'clock in the morning, but still, <laughs> <laughs> not on a cold yeah, morning like today that. or something. <laughs> but, it, um, it didn't bother me too much. <laughs> No, well, obviously you were you were totally sort of single-minded on it, and and, and more full, you know, more, more. I was going to say more full you, but more more, um, you know, more 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 power to your elbow because it's uh, it's a necessary part, isn't it? That's the point. But oh, um, yeah, exactly. And I say it to every young lad now: if you if you're not, you have to be one hundred percent in it. You can't be you can't be half in or half out. You have to be a hundred percent in it uh, and give it a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, it's warm work, and you know, and I think when you look at look at some of your contemporaries, you know, Tony McCoy, Barry Geraghty. I mean, Tony McCoy is just just unbelievable with the number of winners he's had. But Richard Dunwoody is another one. You know, Peter Skidmore. They've yeah. all obviously got that element within them, haven't they? And just as you have, because uh, I mean, yeah, do, yeah. Do you know how many winners you actually had yourself over the, the whole of your career? Uh, I've heard a couple of different, um, but I know it was around. I know it was around thirteen hundred and fifty-three, fifty-five, something like that. Oh, so, that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's getting on with it, isn't it? Really? Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. I've been waiting for you. Come around and tell me the truth That everything that you're going through My girl, you've got nothing to lose Cold nights and the Sunday mornings 
Hands on your way and bow to the grave. I've got time, I've got love, got confidence. Rise above. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Crowded town, silent bed. Pick a place to rest your head. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. I've been dreaming about us, working hard and saving it up. We'll go and see the man on the moon. My girl, we've got nothing to lose. Cold night. Sunday mornings on your way out of the grave. I've got time, I've got love, got confidence. Rise above. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Crowded town, silent bed, be a good place to. Rest your head. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. My girl, my girl. It takes one hot second to turn it around. It takes one hot second to turn it around. I've got time. I've got love, got confidence. You rise above. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Crowded town, silent bed. Be a good place to rest your head. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Got love, got confidence. You rise above. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Crowded town, silent bed. Pick a place to rest your head. Give me a minute to hold my girl. Give me a minute to hold my girl. John Gerard, Don Run to win the Gold Cup. That's probably my earliest memory of watching racing on TV. Yeah. Um, watching John Joe win on Don win the Gold Cup and Don Run. Yeah. So um, to be riding for John Joe was obviously a massive, a massive thing for me. And um, you know, probably something when I was younger, I never thought I would do ride for so for for a hero like John Joe O'Neill. But um, yeah, that was that was. Amazing, yeah. Well, and, and you know, were you to realise that three years' time you were going to get your first Chapman Festival winner? 
yes, it took long enough, but um, yeah, it did. I went to the festival actually with a couple. I went there with a couple of chances. I thought horses that could could win, and they all bombed out. And then I was it was a three day festival then, of course, uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, last last day, last ride, uh, last race on the last day, county hurl, and um, I was on a fifty to one shot. And uh, it popped up, so yeah, brilliant. This, that was Silver Jarrow, was it? Silver Jarrow, yeah, from yeah. Tom Hogan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, Masterson family. And and apparently the same year you, you also won your first grade one uh, horse from uh, uh, race, yes. rather, um, with uh, Charlie yes, Mann's uh, Air Force One. Our, our Air Force One, yeah, came to punch us down. Um, we fancied him. We fancied him going to Cheltenham. He was probably one of the horses I thought would go well in the RSA at Cheltenham that year, and he didn't. He didn't run well. Um, and then uh, he won around Market Race or somewhere, and then went to Ireland for the for the Grade One at Punchestown, and was actually very impressive over there. Won won really well. Yeah, mm. good performance. Is there much difference between uh, the Irish tracks and the English tracks? I suppose it's a different style of racing, different pace to the race. They probably go, I suppose the ground is, is always rainy and the ground is slower as well maybe, but they yeah. tend to go a bit steadier earlier and pick the race up as they go, whereas in England the race are probably, they run at a faster tempo from flagfall, I'd say. All right. And um, 208, 209 season, you came fourth in the jockey's table with 89 winners. So, you know, you were you were making pretty big strides by the sound of it. Yeah, um, things were obviously getting, every year was getting better, um, and I was probably, you know, um, picking up better rides, I suppose you'd say, better quality horses all the time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's what I probably wanted. I probably always wanted to ride quality over quantity, but uh, I was always mad keen to get on the really good horses, you know. Mm. And you managed to pick up some rides for Willie Mullins as well. I did, um, yeah. I did. I, I rode a Grade One winner for Willie at Punchstown. Um, rode a Cheltenham Festival winner for him. So yeah, I've been lucky for Willie a couple of times. Yeah. And you've also won the Tingle Creek Chase on Masterminded, which is a a pretty significant race over here, isn't it? Yeah, should have won it twice, but I won it. I won the Tingle Creek when it was ran at Cheltenham. I actually had a bad injury. Um, I had a fall at Newbury at the Hennessy meeting, which is which is the end of November, and um, I had a bad fall, a bad fall, dislocated my wrist and damaged ligaments, and um, I ended up in Swindon Hospital, and I thought, well, that's me ruled out for, and I knew I had good rides coming up in the coming weeks, including Masterminded in the Tingle Creek, mm. um, and I thought that's me out now for the rest of the season. And anyway, I went to Swindon Hospital and uh, met a, a very nice doctor called Ian Loudon, and he he put my wrist back in place. Yeah. And two two of my fingers were numb, and because when it dislocated, it damaged the nerve a little bit. But anyway, he put it back into place, and he said, he said if this goes well, he said you have a chance that you could be back in a couple of weeks. So I thought, well, if he gave me any little bit of encouragement, then yeah. that was that was. <laughs> so um, I was back riding in less than two weeks, and um, 
I ended up winning the Tingle Creek. I'm masterminded. Um, I'd say less, probably about two weeks after dislocating it, something like that. Yeah, so that was that was uh, very good. Yeah. It's funny how uh, this sort of situation crops up often because you know, I've read Bradley's and I've also read Tony McCoy. I've read quite a few of them actually, but I've read uh, Tony McCoy's as well. And Tony McCoy had a had a sort of a tame doctor, um, physio type guy that used to look after him, and and time <laughs> after time he would come back, you know, a couple of couple of days after he sh- after he injured himself when he should have had about three weeks off. So it's obviously something you, you, you must have a knack of sniffing these sort of guys out, I should think. Well, I suppose, um, I suppose it's a ment- I suppose you get that sort of mentality. You just want you want winners, and you'll do whatever it takes to get them, sort of thing. So mm. I, I don't know. It's, like, it's a bit like a drug, isn't it? I suppose you you crave success. I suppose a bit. Well, next big occasion seems to be Rock on Ruby. Um, am I right in saying was did that own was that Richard Barber used to own that? Yes, yeah, Richard Barber and a uh, few people down that way in Clostham owned him a little syndicate, yeah? Yeah, no, because uh, I know um, uh, Richard's, I'm just going to think what he is, uh, grandson, uh, very well, he plays cricket for our cricket club, or he used to anyway, and and his, his son now is Jack Barber, who's trading, as I'm sure you know. Um, so, oh, is that J- Jason? Is it Jason? Uh, uh, yeah, well, Jason's one of them. Yeah. Now, Jason's more into his what uh, is black cow uh, vodka because he makes yes, that now. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah, I know. I know Jack's dad. I can't think of his name now, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, then, I know. I know what you mean, yeah. His brother. His brother is Jeremy, who, who I know. Well, I know Jack Jeremy, as well. Yes. I, I know yes. all of them really, but um, yeah. So it's, it's right. interesting the the connection sort of thing. But um, who who yeah. trained Rock on Ruby at the time when you had him then? Well, it was it was officially it was Paul Nichols, but um, it was actually Harry Fry who was running the satellite yard down down at Richard Barber's yeah. Um, yard. Oh, that's right. He yeah. was actually doing doing the overseeing of the training of him, uh-huh. um, and I I rode him. Ruby Walsh got injured, and I I rode him in a bumper at Cheltenham um, probably the season before. And uh, I won a listed bumper on him, and then, and then I didn't ride him again for a seat for, while he was novice hurdle season. And then he went over. Then the following season, he was going for the champion hurdle. And Ruby obviously chose to ride Hurricane Fly. Um, Daryl Jacob rode uh, Celestial Halo, um, and I picked up the ride on Rock on Ruby. So. Um, yeah, it was I was uh, over the moon with that, and then uh, obviously um, I was on the right one. Well, especially having lo- uh, you know you missed out on two Cheltenhams, it says here, so uh, that must have been a you know yes. a, a great to get back and actually be a part of it, and then have a. I mean, would you say that the Champion Hurdle is is the second most prodigious race at uh, at Cheltenham, or, or would you, would you sort of would it be more the Champion Chase, or you know what do you think? Um... <laughs> I suppose if, I don't know. I suppose champion hurdle, champion chase—they're both very prestigious races. Um, hard to say which one is more prestigious. You you take either of them. Put it yeah. that way. Well, yeah. Well, in your case, you took yeah. the champion hurdle. So well done. <laughs> but um, yeah. so uh, yeah. um, in 2013 and 14, you won the King George on Silviano yes. Aco Conto. Sil- Sivinaka Conti, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, he was, he was a super horse. I was lucky enough to ride him 
Um, so I was I was very friendly with the owner Jared Sullivan and Chris Giles. They they owned them and um, again I'm not quite sure was Ruby injured maybe when he was a novice hurdler or not. But um, I rode him I rode him at Chepstow in a novice hurdle and he won and then I won I won a few hurdle races on him and then and then Ruby ended up back on him for a bit and then um, then I was back on him again and then. Yeah, I would, I'd say I won six or seven grade ones on him, so including oh, yeah. two King Georges. So he was a he was a fantastic horse. Yeah, had a great great spell with him. Uh, did didn't Joe Tizard ride him to one big race as well? No, no. Joe Tizard used to always ride Q card. Yeah, I know he did Q that. Card, I thought I'd seen him on. I thought I I may have got it wrong now. But anyway, don't worry about it. Um, no, no, <laughs> they would have done battle plenty of times. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, so, you know, to win the King George once is great on your CV. To win it twice, two years running, was 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 you know remarkable, really. I should think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because again, when I was growing up. Um, I remember watching the King George, you know, the day after Christmas Day, the St. Stephen's Day and Ireland Boxing Day over here. And we used to watch the King George and I was watching the likes of Desert Orca win. You know, it was a massive mm. race at Christmas yeah. time. Um, apart from the Gold Cup at Cheltenham, it's probably the second biggest chase of the season, you know. Yeah. Um, most prestigious anyway. And um, to win that you know, the first time was just, you know, I was absolutely blown away. But then to win back-to-back King George's, and I think probably probably Conti's best performance was probably when he won the second King George. Hmm. Um, made all that day to win. So that was that was a fantastic achievement there. More music now and even more George Ezra. This time it's called Paradise. My love, my lover, 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 I'm in paradise whenever I'm with you. My mind, my mind, my my, my, my mind, well, it's a paradise whenever I'm with you. Ride on, I will ride on down the road, I will find you, I will hold you, I'll be there. It's long, well, it's a mighty long road, but I'll find you, I will hold you, and I'll be there. Other boys, but this time it's real. It's something that I feel it. I know you heard it from those other boys, but this time it's real. It's something that I feel it. If it feels like paradise running through your bloody veins, you know it's love anyway. If it feels like paradise running through your bloody veins, you know it's love anyway. My time. Time will it's a never ending helter skelter will be out whatever the weather My heart My boom boom hard it's a beat and it's a thumping and I'm alive I know you've heard it from those other boys But this time between the solid that I feel it
I think it's safe to say that uh, no one likes George Ezra. That was called Paradise. So we've moved on now to 19, uh, sorry, 19, 2017. And Blomey, you've yeah. won the champion hurdle again. Yeah, yeah. Um, the there. I um, again, he was a horse I rode in his younger days. I won a bumper on him. No, I was second, second in a bumper on him in Newbury one day. And then I rode him in the entry bumper. And then I rode him the following season in his hurdle races. Uh, I won and I was hurling him in Newbury and I, I, I was actually I rode him in the probably one of the best supreme novices at Cheltenham Festival has been run for a long time and he was he finished third behind Altior and Men which was a fantastic race that day yeah yeah um, then I ended up winning a grade one on him in entry and um, luckily or luckily or unluckily I'm not, the owner sold him that summer um, and JP McManus bought him and Barry Geraghty obviously was retained rider for for JP McManus at the time, and um, Barry Barry rode him a couple of times. No, no, but he ran over fences twice actually at the start of that season. Yeah. And then then he ran at Sandown. But before he ran at Sandown, I had had the phone call to make sure I stayed on standby to ride him in the Champion Hurdle because. They were JP McManus was going to have a couple of runners in the race, um, and to make sure I was in standby to ride him. So, which I was absolutely over the moon with because I thought he had a serious chance going to Cheltenham. Yeah. Um, and then Barry Barry Garrity ended up getting injured anyway, um, and didn't ride. But uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to ride Boubadere, and he was. Um, very impressive. He went on to win it again the following season with Barry Garrity on him. So he was he was a wonderful horse and a bit. He was probably a little bit like Rock and Ruby. I don't think either of the two of them got the credit they deserved. Um, for do, you know when when they did win the champion hurl. Yeah, yeah. But um, and then the following day you won the Queen Mother Chase on special tiara. Yes. Uh, again, that was just a dream Cheltenham Festival. I think it um, was. 
yeah, to win the champion hurl and then turn up the following day and uh, win the champion chase and, and special tiara. Again, he was a super horse. I'd been placed in two or three champion chases previous years. Um, I went to Cheltenham that year and I thought, I actually thought I had a very good chance of finishing second because um, Willie Mullins was bringing over Duvan. He was odds on favourite and looked unbeatable. Um, and I th- but I thought I had a very good chance of being second to him. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, Duvan didn't turn up and Special Tiara did. So, um, yeah, he won. He won. Yeah, it was brilliant. And, and then 2017 Gold Cup, you also came second, I, I think I'm re- reading this right, on Minella Rocco. Yeah, yeah. On the, on the Tuesday, I won the champion hurl and um, Boobie there. On the Wednesday, I won the champion chase and um, special tiara. And then on the Thursday, I rode, um, you know what I mean, Harry, in the stairs hurl. And I thought, I thought he should have won the stairs, ended up finishing third probably didn't quite perform on the day finished third I, I was a bit gutted he didn't win um, and then went in the gold cup on the Friday uh, and finished second so yeah it was um unbelievable week really you must have been pretty much champion um, uh, jockey for the meeting weren't you with those that sort of figures uh, I wasn't I think I finished second or third that year unless, but um, yeah it was, it was a brilliant week anyway I was a uh, it was a dream week. Yeah, I should think it was, but more music now. And this time it's The Killers and Mr. Brightside.
killers there, Mr. Brightside. Somebody else must have had an even better week than if they if they beat you with those sort of you know the champion yeah, and the I gold so. cup. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember who beat me, but um, yeah, well, it was. Uh, I suppose it it'd be one beat. of the usual suspects, or Ruby Walsh, or probably, or, yeah. probably Ruby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, so um, you know, things were beginning to move on, and and Father Time, I take it, was sort of catching you up a little bit as well. I mean, at what point? Did you reach the conclusion that um, you know maybe maybe it's about time I pack this up now? I suppose at the, when I got to that stage, I was actually probably enjoying riding more then than I probably ever did through my career because um, I was lucky enough that I was able to pick and choose a little bit what I was riding. I was riding a lot of nice horses. Um, and I was probably enjoying it more than I ever was, but. Um, I got I got really ill um, in February in January or February of that year 2019 I think it was yeah and I got I got the appendix I had a burst appendix oh and I ended up in hospital in I think it was in the January time yeah and um, the appendix burst and then I ended up getting all sorts of complications I ended up in hospital for nearly a month. And um, I lost, I think I lost nearly, I lost about a stone and a half weight, which, you know, I'm not saying I was terribly skinny, but for a jockey, a stone and a half is a lot to lose. Well, yeah, because um, you're, you're not very heavy to start with, are you? <laughs> yeah, so I think I was only about, I was only just over nine stone um, when, I, when I came, I was normally about ten and a half stone. I, I came mm. out of hospital just over just over nine stone and um you know i had been very ill and i was actually in hospital probably thinking i'm not going to make it to the children festival um and i think if i if you know they had they were thinking about doing an operation on me um and luckily in the end i didn't have to have the operation but if i had had the operation i definitely would have missed the children festival and you know i was looking like i would have the operation i thought well if if I can't ride at Cheltenham this season, you know, I'm not I'm not sure I want to come back um, mm. and, and do all summer racing and all the build-up again for another year. So yeah. I kind of had my, I kind of made my mind up in hospital that, you know... That was if it. This, if, this is going to be, if this is going to be the end of this season, that's going to be it. Yeah. But anyway, I did make it back. I made it back riding, and I was making it back in time for Cheltenham. Um... I actually had a very bad fall at Taunton and just up coming back. Um, but again, I, I missed uh, five or six days and I was back again. And I made it to Cheltenham. And um, I kind of had my mind made up that if I rode a winner at the Cheltenham Festival, that um, that would be it. Mm. And luckily, I, I did. So oh, Yeah. yeah. Wait, good, wait, good which way. one was that then? Which race was that? Uh, it was the mayor's novice hurl, the mayor called Eglantine de Soy. Again, like my first winner at Cheltenham, she was a 50 to 1 shot. Right. And um, yeah, she got up on the line to win. And um, yeah, I announced my retirement um, after the race. Um, I did ride on for about 10 days. And then I you know, I wanted to finish at Newbury because I lived in Lamborn for 15 years. So Newbury was always kind of the local course. So yeah. I wanted to finish at Newbury. And um, I kind of 
made my mind up that that's where I'd, I'd finish up. And uh, luckily, my last ride was a winner at Newbury, so it was a great way to finish up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you couldn't couldn't ask for a better way to go out, really, could you? But uh, no, no. last musical break now, and this time it's uh, Ed Sheeran and Shivers. So was it a hard decision to make or, you know, adding it all up, it was probably the most logical one? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was at the stage where 
Um, I was I was 43 then, which was quite old for a jockey. Um, you know, even though I was enjoying it still, uh, it was get everything was starting to get a bit harder to harder to keep fit and harder to you know everything was starting to ache a little bit more and um, I think the thing that put me off was you know to do another summer I didn't really like summer racing and I didn't want to do another summer racing and then go through all that again and then for the following season and, and I like I said earlier I think people said to me oh, why don't you just miss the summer and come back for the winter and ride the winter and you know I think it is a game that you're either in or you're out. You can't be half in, half out. And I just felt if I, you know, if I didn't want to do the summer racing, then I should I should leave it at that. And that's what I decided to do. Yeah, yeah. So looking back, then, what would you say was the best horse you ever rode? It's a question I get asked regularly, and um, it's. Sylvie Nakaconti was probably the best three-miler I rode because obviously I had some great days on him winning two King Georges and everything else. So he would have been the best three-miler. But then, like, I was lucky enough to ride the likes of Masterminded, Altior. Um, there were some great special tiara. There were some great two-milers, and um, it'd be hard to split them. And then you'd rock on Ruby, Bouvadere, I suppose... You know, Bouvadere was probably a bit classier than Rock and Ruby, um, bought champion hurl winners. So I was look I was lucky I rode a lot of good horses over a lot of different distances and um yeah, hard to split them all. And and looking at you know, you must have ridden for virtually every notable trainer that's going. Were there any that stood out for you that they had that special magical touch? Uh, yeah, like you said, I was lucky. I rode for some some brilliant trainers. I rode Cheltenham Festival winners for Nicky Henderson, Paul Nichols, uh, William Mullins, you know, all the top trainers. But, you know, when it comes to the big days, you know, all them top trainers, they have that special touch of, you know, making a horse better on the, on the big day. And I suppose that's why they are top of the tree, because they just, you know, they're, they have that touch. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that. It must have been there. So um, that that brings us more or less up to date now. So what are you doing with yourself now then? Well, since when I packed up riding, um, I'd built up a farm at home and, you know, um, I was doing a bit of pre-training and breaking young horses and breeding a few and all that sort of thing. But then we started uh, the Noel Feely Racing Syndicate as well and hmm. myself and David Cross do that between us and um we've we have 20 horses now on the go and uh, we had a runner today at uh, fast last for paul nichols um got beat ahead but um yeah that's gone fantastic you know we got horses with lots of different trainers and um yeah we're getting plenty of enjoyment out of that how much is it uh, you know is it like a club that you know the public can join or, or how does it work well, we we um, buy the horses and then it's it's ten percent of the cost of the horse and then it's uh, a monthly fee. It's a two year two year contract with every horse and um, you know we we try and keep the owners very included as if they own the horse. We always do ten ten people per horse because that way we can get them very involved and get them racing and 
um, I think a lot of people are getting a lot of fun out of it. Mm. So, so, I mean, how much, just for listeners who are not sort of aware of this, how much would would you say the sort of average cost of a of a horse in your syndicate would be, or, or membership of the syndicate? Well, horses are, say, say for a 50 grand horse, you're paying 5 grand for your 10% share, and then it'll be something like two, £279 a month for on a two-year contract. Right, so, right. So, um, it's um and that way everyone gets very included and you can go to the yards see the horses and watch them schooling yeah. and galloping and and get to the races and um like i said it's all about feeling part of it isn't it yeah and how many winners have you had so far 24 winners um at the minute so yeah we've, it's gone really well yeah sounds like it so there you go listeners if you want to yeah. get involved in horse racing knows your man just, That's just yeah. look him up on touch. look him up on Google and you'll find him. So, and is that taking yeah. up all of your time now? Then, no. Yeah, we're we're pretty busy at that now. Um, like I was at Fast Last today, go to Leicester tomorrow, uh, Wing Canton on Thursday. So certainly a few days a week we're racing, and um, but this is this is our season. You know, this is when we want them running. You know, and we mm. want we want horses good enough to go to the Children's Festival, and we're lucky we're going to have a couple of runners hopefully. So. Um, you know, this is what we're gearing up for the the big festivals now in the springtime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's brilliant. Um, well, all I can say, no, thank you ever so much for joining us. It's really interesting hearing your story, and hopefully, we can join you again another time. This is Three Valleys Radio. And you've been listening to the In Conversation program with A.D. Hopper. Make sure you join us every week here on Three Valleys Radio. Beautiful.